Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and today we're going to be talking about two different stories. The first one uh, we're going to be covering is GameStop, and they're going to be canceling their Elite Pro membership. That was part of their loyalty program uh, that was like a bonus and uh, kind of an answer to the Best Buy Gamer Club unlock. And then secondly, we're going to talk console sales. So a lot of numbers have come out recently about where the Switch is and where the PlayStation 4 is system-wise. And I had some cool numbers and figures kind of kind of give you a scope of how this console generation is doing compared to other console uh, generations and to kind of see the pace that, uh, that the gaming's at right now as opposed to where it's been in the past. So to begin, though, we want to talk about GameStop. So... Um, Oh, let's let's back this up here a little bit. So to begin, we want to talk about GameStop and their Elite Pro membership. So about it, it was actually it's been less than a year, but uh, less than a year ago, GameStop essentially came out with their answer to the Best Buy Gamer Club unlock, and that was their GameStop already has a loyalty program, and it's called the uh, Power Up Card. There is a free power-up card, and then there's what they call the power-up pro, which would cost money but included the yearly subscription to Game Informer, along with um, you know, other benefits, the 10% off used games, bonus 10% on trade-ins. And then last September, they launched the Elite Pro. Now, the Elite Pro gave you, and I'm going to show it here, so they gave us a little bit extra. So this was a 30 points on every dollar spent, so that's three times the points that you would normally get. Um, I want to say it was like for the free one, it was like 10 points per dollar. Then the, uh, the pro was 20 and then this one's 30. It was 20% off of pre-owned software and accessories, 20% extra trading credit. You get your buy to get one free coupon. Everybody gets that when you sign up some sort of collectibles, welcome offer $50 in exclusive monthly offers, uh, whatever that means, obviously rotating free two day shipping and all other benefits pros currently enjoy. So this was their answer, like I said, to the Gamers Club Unlock. This was them trying to battle against Best Buy offering their uh, $30 a year, which the GameStop, this one was also $30 a year. Uh, excuse me, uh, Best Buy was $30 for two years, actually. So this was more expensive and, quite frankly, less of a benefit. And so <laughs> once Best Buy essentially canned their Gamer Club, GameStop seemed like it wasn't important anymore to offer their Elite uh, pro membership. There, there's so many things I want to cover on this uh, because so much of it doesn't make sense. And uh, I, I have friends that still work there. If you if you haven't watched any of my videos on GameStop in the past, I worked at GameStop for 11 years. I was there actually for the launch of the initial um, loyalty card. And I was there selling subscriptions to Game Informer Magazine. And then set, when they were little cardboard cards that had a, a month expiration date that you punched out, you know, I was there for the implementation of that. And I was there throughout all of it. I was there through the the growth into the you know the two separate cards and all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but I haven't been with that company now for seven and a half years, so it's been a lot has changed. I still have a lot of friends though that work there, and when I talk to them, uh, you know, I actually got the scoop on this uh, before I started seeing it online um, from someone I know who still works there, and I've got you know I don't know thirty friends that still work there because <laughs> you, you build a when you work there for that long, you build a huge network of people. And, you know, they basically had uh, had mentioned that a big part of it was because of uh, the cutting into the profits, you know, like that, that that program 
was cutting too deep into their their profits and they didn't want to lose that. And so I thought about that and I and I actually asked this person. I said, you know, did you think it was a good deal? And uh, you know, he's a friend of mine. I'm not trying to GameStop bash. I'm not trying to bash on him, but he did mention that he thought it was a really good deal. And that I think it's stacked with his employee discount or something because he was getting a very good discount uh, on uh, unused games, around 35%, he would say. So uh, so that's very cool. And I was like, okay, so it was a benefit to him. But when I look at this, I'm just, you know, to get 20% off of used games, which normally with the regular one, you're offering 10% off. So I don't really see how that extra 10% is really killing you that much. You know, I, so this, you know, this whole kind of idea, and I'm going to show two examples because I'm trying to be fair on this, but, um, what's really nice about GameStop is you can go online now and you can totally see everything transparent, what they pay for things, what they sell things for. So there are instances like, for instance, I want to talk about Far Cry 5 first. Uh, also right now they have a credit for cat or cash for credit deal going on. That's why the numbers are the same. Normally the credits more, um, so, for instance, here they're saying, okay, so if you're a regular customer, you come in with Far Cry 5, $18 is what you would get now for cash. Let's just do the credit. So $18 credit is what you get. If you're just the regular pro member, that's the $15 a year Game Informer magazine subscription, you get $19.80 in trade credit instead of $18. If you're an elite pro member, you'd get $21.60. So that's essentially only $1.80 more than the pro membership you know, that, that's basically what they're losing is $1.80 by having people sign up for this. And then on the flip side, when you look at what they're selling it for, now look at the numbers right away. So at the most, they're going to pay us $21.60. Then you flip over here, and they're selling it pre-owned for $54.99. Now, <laughs> if they're going to sell for $54.99 and $21.60 is not profitable to go from buying something for $21 and selling it for $54, that's really difficult. Now, again, remember, though, this won't be $54.99. It's going to be discounted. So you take the 10% off. If you had the normal card, you're looking closer to about $50.50. And then you take another $4 or $5.40 off. So a total of $9 off. You're looking at about $46. So you look at this and you say, okay, they're paying $21.60 for a game they're going to sell for about $46. I, in my opinion is still plenty of profit margin. In fact, when we sell all of our newer games, um, GameStop oftentimes takes a new release that's $60 and sells it for $54.99. We think that's a little too high. We put all of our newest games used at $44.99. And we would pay something for that. We would pay around $21 to $25 for a $45 game. Uh, and, and, that to, and I would say that's, that's the lower end of it, like $25 to $30 if it just came out. You know, um, so... You know, to argue a little bit that, you know, it was cutting into their profits. Again, my friend at GameStop, it wasn't his decision to do it for that reason. He's just saying that's the reason he was given. Uh, you know, I feel it's a little disingenuous. I, I'm really sick of companies blaming, you know, like having to take something away and essentially blaming us, the customer, for using it. You know, that that's essentially what they're saying. They're saying it's your fault because you, you know, you used the program and now we're not profitable. Now, on the flip side, like I said, I'm trying to be fair and, and, and generous here. We're going to talk about uh, Forza Horizon 2 because I was looking this up the other day, and this is pretty impressive. Now, this is a 360 game, and while it is an expensive game, um, GameStop right now, if you have the, uh, the Elite Pro, they'd be paying $24 for it. When you look at what they're going to sell it for, it's normally $45, but you would take $9 off. Oh, my math was bad on that. Sorry, it'd be $11 off of of uh, the last game that we were talking about on Far Cry. So you'd be looking closer to $44. So 21 into 44, not 46. Sorry about that. Um, so 
here's 44.99 so this would be nine dollars off when you get the 20 percent off with the elite pro so now you're looking at 36 dollars is what you would sell it for and you're paying 24 dollars for it i'll be the first to admit that's not enough profit margin for a store to run off of especially a big corporate store with much much more overhead than i do at my little independent store so there's definitely ways that you could see where you know one like one game essentially is a quote-unquote abusing uh, the, the idea or having a hard time keeping up with the profit margins as opposed to another game like Far Cry that has a lot bigger stretch. But not everything in the store needs to make buco insane profits, right? So part of this, and GameStop themselves even do this, by bringing you in to buy games and then they have their highest um, profitable items. That's your collectibles, that's your used games, all that sort of stuff. So you don't need to make top dollar on every item. You just have to bring them in with some good deals and then make top dollar on other items. Like consoles, for instance, GameStop makes zero money on consoles. New consoles, I should specify. But if someone buys a new console, they're the most likely buy games, accessories, and uh, add-ons that do make them money. Strategy guides for games make them tons of money. It's a very high high markup on items like that. So it's it seems a little weird to me that, yes, with this program, you might not be making as much money on certain used games as others, but it's not like it's causing you not to be profitable i guess so uh but that was the reason i was given was that it was cutting too much into profits and then obviously with best buy canceling their program this was clearly designed last september to combat best buys card which this is the other thing i want to talk about was i don't even see how this thing was a competition for best buy like best buy offered 20 percent off of brand new games brand new games with their with their gamer club unlock GameStop was offering 20% off of used games. Uh, what's really funny, though, and I mentioned this about the Gamer Club Unlock, it was such a weird program because Gamer Club gave you 10% off used games, but 20% off of new. It should have been reversed. 20% off of used games, 10% off of new games, and they would have been profitable in both categories still. You know, I, I don't really know, like, who who implemented that program didn't understand the, the used market clearly and, and the profitability of both sides not that i was complaining i got a lot of benefit from the gamer club unlock over the years being 20 percent off but i also felt like that was one way they could have saved the gamer club unlock at best buy was just lower the new game discount to 10 percent you're still going to beat out gamestop you're still gonna beat out walmart and all those you're not technically going to beat out amazon but you know price wise but you're also a store you have a physical location where people can go in and and with 10 percent off of a used game or a new game you're not going to be losing money in every game so I, i'm kind of confused at how all that worked anyway I, I mentioned that before when i did my gamer club unlock rant <laughs> um so i just don't ever see how these two are competitors with these loyalty programs i i never saw it uh GameStops is very different. It's always been focused on pre-owned, and then they threw in the Game Informer magazine subscription, which to me actually makes it a unique selling point. You know, you get something that you would have paid that price for probably anyway. Like a whole year of a magazine for fifteen bucks is a pretty good deal, uh, let alone you know getting the other benefits of the used games and stuff. But you know, so this was clearly they're canceling it. Is them feeling a relief? I think about Best Buy no longer having that program going on. Uh, again, I don't really know why, and I wish that GameStop would be a little more aggressive and a little more, a little more proactive, not reactive. It seems like right now all the news we've been hearing about things, GameStop carrying comic books and, and um, you know, all these other little things. I, uh, I just, 
I feel like they're they're reacting to situations, right? Instead of instead of trying to set trends, they're reacting to the market and they're reacting to their trends. And I, for whatever reason, GameStop just seems to be falling a little bit behind. When when I worked there, I was always very proud of the fact that I worked for a company that always felt like it was ahead of the curve. They saw the trends coming. They knew that one day all games would be digital. Now it's happening slower than we all thought, but they knew that was coming. They did a shift to carry other merchandise. Their, you know, the the nerd culture, the pop culture stuff and all that sort of thing. They even turned into cell phones for a little while, which, uh, and they carry other devices like iPhones, tablets. They do carry those as well, but they also, um, were actually, they had cricket as like a wireless cell phone provider and they could sell cell phones and stuff. So they, they've always been pivoting to try to stay relevant, but I don't know, like this one doesn't feel that way. Like lately, a few of these articles just feel like they're reacting, uh, instead of being proactive, uh, in that. Uh, so that's pretty much it. You know, GameStop is canceling the uh, the Elite Pro membership. They will apparently it's canceling and ending tomorrow. So if you watch this video today on Tuesday, you will still be able to go renew it, I guess, by the end of the day today, and then you'll get it for a full year. But I don't really see why you would thirty dollars for one year, unless you do all of your business with GameStop and you do a lot of selling and a lot of buying of used games. I could see it. Like there's money to be made there for sure. There's money to save there. But I don't really see the average person getting the benefit from that. Because a lot of times with these programs, they're designed for the masses where the masses won't ever have the issue. Like the masses won't ever take advantage of the deals. And, and essentially you'll make money on their memberships uh, by bringing them back to the store and they'll buy more things. And, and then you also get the, the bulk $30 for that year uh, as opposed to, you know, um, other programs that you know, may not be as, uh, as incentivized, but, um, there's always going to be the other customers, however, that do take full advantage of it. Like every game they trade in, they're getting the 20% bonus and then they'll wait for the trade deals where if you trade in, you know, five things at once, you get an extra 50% plus 20% and you stole it all together. So very, uh, very interesting, uh, that they've decided to cancel it strictly because of Best Buy getting out of it. And we all know too, that Amazon is now limiting their Gamer Club Unlock, or excuse me, not Gamer Club, they're, they're a 20% discount on new games as well, because now that Best Buy is not doing it, Amazon doesn't have to compete, and they're slowly going to all just dissolve, and we're going to go back to paying full price for all of our games. So the next story I want to talk about, let me uh, let me clear out some of these windows here. So the, the first article I read, I want to talk about some console sales, but the first article I read was that the PS4 has finally overtaken the PS3 in Sony's latest financial report. Now, the first thing to always note about this is this is how many units have shipped. I always like to very much clarify this. This is shipped. This doesn't necessarily mean sold. But you also have to understand that it's not like there's a million PS4s sitting on the shelf in all these retailers. Like, they, they constantly move. And right now, systems are moving. Uh, some, at my store in the last couple of weeks, we had about 10 PS4s in stock. We are almost out already. Like, like it, it's moving. Um, same with the Xbox One, actually. Uh, all the systems are doing pretty well right now for whatever reason. They're just constantly moving. All switches were sold out of Xbox ones were sold out of, and I think we have two or three PS fours left. Um, so, but this was an interesting one because the PS four has passed the PS three's worldwide lifetime sales, like uh, shipped units. So, and, and, and they do note here that the last sales period had a little bit of a decline in console sales. But again, we have to remember we're in like year five, like we're getting in that kind of dip before we announce new hardware. Um, 
when they stopped tracking the numbers of the PS3, now this is the other tough part, is after a while they stopped tracking sales of the PS3. So it's not really... It's, it's not necessarily accurate, but there haven't been a lot of new PS3s sold after 2013, but they stopped around the 80 million mark is where the PS3 stopped as of Sony's tracking. Uh, and here's what they noted. It took them, the PS3 from 2006 to 2013, so seven years to reach that 80 million number as to where in five years, the PlayStation, or less than five years, the PlayStation 4 has broken that. And that's really impressive. I mean, to be fair... The PlayStation 3 had a really rough launch, uh, much like the Xbox One had a rough launch. It was very expensive. It didn't do well. A lot of the people that bought it initially were buying it to resell it. So you weren't flooding the market with a ton of consoles because you had a lot of the initial people buying it to flip it for profit when they were hard to find during Christmas. Um, and, but I thought that was really neat. So then, then it got me thinking because the other article I read was that the Switch had just announced that it was almost uh, 20 million sold. And I was like, well, that's pretty impressive because that's only been out about a year and a half. So if they stay on track with that, they're going to come very close to, um, you know, Sony's PlayStation 4 numbers. Uh, you know, 20 million in, let's just say in a year, that would get you to Sony's numbers in four years. And Sony got there in five, but really it's a month and a half. So it's like I said, it's almost on track exactly with the PlayStation 4 numbers. It's pretty cool. In fact, I want to say after year one, there were articles that came out and said the Switch had sold more in its first year than the PlayStation 4 had in its first year. So it was really cool, you know, so Nintendo's being really successful with this. But what carried this over to me was Kotaku had a great article about the lifetime sales for the Switch and the 3DS. And I have the, uh, the, the console data here too, but you know, this has some nice pictures. So we're going to go over this and let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back to the Famicom and the NES. So what they did was they combined worldwide sales. So it's the NES and the Famicom. This sold a total of 61.91 million units. So if you think about that, the NES and the, and the Famicom in its total lifespan has sold less than the PS4 has sold to date right now. Crazy. Um, you know, especially back then there wasn't a lot of competition, but it kind of shows you where the market is now compared to where it was back then. Like video games were, were new, consoles were new, not new, but you know what I mean. Like they were, they were, they were coming back. I guess I should say after Atari kind of crashed the market and and consoles were like the twenty six hundred was a very popular system, but it it wasn't going mainstream as much as Nintendo when they brought it to the to the forefront. So you look at that and you, but there's some really interesting stuff in the numbers here. So Famicom, Super Famicom, sixty one point nine one million units. Then this. Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo had 49 million units, so it actually sold worse than the Famicom did. Then you go to the 64, which we all know was, um, you know, sold less than the PlayStation 1, and that was 32, basically 33 million units. So declining, declining, declining to the 64. And then the GameCube only sold 21.74 million units in its entire life. Look again at the Switch numbers up here. Look at this. 19.67 million units in a year and a half. 21.74 units in... I mean, the GameCube came out in 2001. And essentially the... Um, you know, and then the Wii came out in 06. So in five years, it sold 21 million. As opposed to 20 million in a year and a half. So the Switch has been... Is going to be the... Uh, you know, it has been more popular than almost their GameCube, which when you think of the GameCube, you think of a great system. You don't realize like how kind of poorly it sold back then. I mean, look at this. The Wii U only sold 13 and a half million. It's considered a massive flop for Nintendo. Um, and it's the GameCube only sold 6 million, 7 million more units, 8 million more units than 
the Wii U did. I mean, how crazy is that? You just don't think of those numbers sometimes because you have such good memories of the uh, of the GameCube. So then we go on to do, we'll cover the Game Boy stuff too. These are really impressive numbers. So the regular Game Boy, including all iterations. So Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color, 119 million units. That's incredible. And then the Game Boy Advance. So Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, Game Boy Advance Micro, 81.51 million. Still very impressive. Not as good as the original Game Boy. But again, they did so many different versions of that, um, of Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color. Um, So yeah. And then, of course, we get to the DS, which is... The, very close to the top spot of all time systems being sold at 154 million units. Now that's the DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, and the DSi XL. 154 million units. So that is that is impressive. I'm sorry, that's just incredible. And then the Wii, we all know, was a powerhouse. 101.63 million units the Wii sold. And then you go from that. Look at this. Like th- this is almost like you know these numbers if you follow this stuff, but you don't realize it until you see it. 101 million Wii's sold, 13 million Wii U's. Oh, that might be the worst console follow-up of all time. Like, how do you have a console sells 101, and then your user base goes to 13? I mean, that's just unbelievable. Uh, then the 3DS, and this is still going, of course, but 73 million essentially for the 3DS, and that includes the 2DS, 3DS, 3DS XL, new 3DS XL, new 3DS. 2DS XL. <laughs> Try to keep them all straight. And then the Switch, like I said, we had at 20 million. This is super impressive, like, that uh, where, where Nintendo has come from. Now, we all know, though, that Nintendo has ruled the handheld market forever. I mean, no one has ever come close to, to beating them out. Um, but I wanted to bring up some other numbers. Now, talking about the PS4 and talking about the Nintendo stuff, obviously we want to talk about Microsoft. Well, Microsoft's really weird because they no longer release their sales data for their console. And this is this happened a couple years ago. I think about four years ago, they stopped reporting the data. And I hate to admit this, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but it's essentially because they were getting stopped. I mean, and I don't blame them for that. Like, in, in their words, they found better metrics to evaluate their success than total console sales. And again, total console sales aren't everything. They certainly aren't. You have to look at software sales, which is kind of why they were included in this chart underneath the, because that's really what's more important is how much software you sell. That's where you make your money. Hardware, a lot of times, there's not a lot of money to be made on that. You make your money on accessories and games. And so they aren't everything, but Microsoft clearly early on realized that if they show that they sold you know, 10 million units this year and PlayStation sold 40 that they look like they're losing. And it's, it's press, you know, it's marketing. It's, it's all about that. You have to uphold your image. And I get that. And I'm not bashing Microsoft for doing it, but it makes it a little more difficult to try to find the numbers. And one of the ways that the numbers were found was because EA on a conference call, EA CEO had talked about the future console sales. So what he had said was, um, what he had said here was Quote, turning to our expectations for fiscal 2019, we expect sales of current generation consoles from Microsoft and Sony to continue to be strong, with the install base growing to 130 million by the end of calendar 2018 from 103 million at the end of calendar 17. Now, it's interesting because at the end of 2017, Sony did reveal their numbers, which were 73 million. So if if Sony said we had 73 million, and EA is saying there was a total number of consoles of 103 million. That would tell you that Microsoft math basically here, 30 million 
is how many units Microsoft had sold up until the end of 2017. Now, if you think about that, so 30 million units, let's look back at our Nintendo. Let's look back at our Nintendo uh, list here. So 30 million units on the Xbox One, they have sold um, almost as much as the N64 sold in its entire life. It's outsold the GameCube and it outsold the Wii U, not the surprise. And it's currently outselling the Switch, but again, let's be realistic, it's been out for, you know, four years longer than the Switch. <laughs> so three years longer, 17, three, four years, three years longer, four years longer, 2013. Um, so you look at that, and then we're going to talk about our, uh, the whole list. So this is cool, because why not just talk about this? This is a lot of fun. Um, so the number one selling console of all time, and this includes handhelds, the PlayStation 2, 155 million units. That is bonkers. Even the PlayStation 4 is probably not going to come close to that. And the PlayStation 4 is an incredible system. But, and I don't know, you know, we could argue what the causes of that are. Like, you could say the PlayStation 2 didn't have a ton of competition. Obviously, the GameCube only sold 21 million. So if the GameCube had sold 50 million, that's 30 million that might have been pulled from PlayStation, maybe. The original Xbox, let's take a look at those sales. Those sales are here somewhere. Original Xbox sold 24 million. So you had 155 million. Well, it's greater than 155 million. And then you versus 24 million and versus GameCube, which was 21 million. So obviously the scales were not, you know, weighted um very similarly there you had one system that essentially blew the doors off the other two so when you keep looking down the list though you've got the ds system like i said very close to the best selling console time 154 just incredible then the game boy following up so you see nintendo they're handhelds i mean they're no joke they, they take care of business the original playstation though 102 million for the playstation one let's look up uh the Sega Saturn, where are we at on this? It's way down here. Nine million. So the Saturn and the PlayStation were the biggest competitors back then, and the N64. So you've got the Saturn at nine million. The original PlayStation, 102 million. And then the N64, like we had said on the last sheet, was about 30 million. Nintendo uh, 64, 33 million right here. So, like, again, the competition was a little better there, but Sony was just, just pulled away and just, and that was their first console. Like how impressive is that to come out the gate and just crush it like that? I mean, it's the fourth best selling console of all time. And it was their first attempt, you know? And then this obviously goes back to the funny story of how Nintendo essentially burned Sony on a potential team up deal. And you almost have to wonder like that project was almost completely made out of spite, you know, <laughs> to like show Nintendo that they knew what they were doing with the future. And they're still, like, they came out of nowhere with that. I mean, I don't even know if Sony would be around anymore if it weren't for the PlayStation division. They had some really rough years there where the PlayStation division was the only profitable part of Sony. Um, and so then you go down. And so the Wii, which is another impressive system, sold a ton, 100 million. That's incredible. Xbox 360 worldwide, 84 million. You know, if the 360 was bigger in Japan, this would rival the numbers of the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2. It would come closer. But the Xbox is just so dead in japan and no one cares for it there that it just doesn't move at all and so it is impressive that the 360 is pulling these kind of numbers off of just essentially two regions which is 
you know, North America and Europe. Uh, it's still very impressive numbers. 360 was an incredible system. Like it was Microsoft's best system. They came out a year before the PS3. They came out cheaper and they had a ton of exclusive games and it was easier to make games for it. Like all those things were a perfect storm and, uh, and it was awesome. Now here's what's interesting too, is you have the PlayStation 3 though. Now this again, worldwide came very close to 360 at the end. I want to say I had heard originally that the PS3 eventually surpassed the 360. So I don't know how updated this information is, but as you can see, it says greater than 83.8 and Xbox was at 84. So these are essentially tied, you know, they're right here. Um, and that was with that terrible launch of the PlayStation 3, like we talked about earlier, like it was just a botch job for the century uh, of the century. Uh, that that Xbox or the PS3 launch, uh, not as I don't I would say that the PS3 launch was probably worse than the Xbox One launch, quite honestly. But I also think that the 360 was a better system in general than the PS3 in the beginning. Just like the uh, PlayStation 4 was a better system than the Xbox One, not power wise, but you know what I mean, like just game offerings, accessibility, stuff like that. Even though Sony had offerings like PlayStation was free, uh, PlayStation Online was free, and you still had to pay, you know, fifty or sixty bucks a year for xbox live so then we're going down and then you know then we start to get to these uh, the bad boys so playstation 4 on the all-time console selling list is you know was this like 10 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 so it's 10th on the list right now and still going we have at least two more years before new consoles come out unless something crazy happens and the thing that a lot of people don't realize about console sales boosting and this is actually up to 82 million so it's actually past um the game Boy advance and the playstation portable um the PSP sold 82 million. That's actually really impressive because you wouldn't think it sold that much, but that, um, let me, that reminds me, where's the Vita add on here? Where's the PlayStation Vita? Is it not on here? They didn't add the Vita to this list. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, here it is. PlayStation Vita sold 10 to 15 million as an estimate. So <laughs> they went from selling 80 million PSPs to 10 to 13 million Vitas. Ugh, that's not very good. So then you start to get to Nintendo's old stuff. So the NES and the Super Nintendo and the N64 all kind of come in there. The Genesis sold 30 million. That's a that's an impressive number um, with them kind of coming out of nowhere with that system. They still didn't beat out the Super Nintendo worldwide, but that's a that's a hell of a that's a hell of a number. Here's the 2600 we were talking about earlier. Sold 30 million. Certainly nothing to scoff at. You know that was a good that was good placement. So the Xbox One is about to pass the Atari 2600. <laughs> uh, they've already passed the original Xbox. Uh, I don't think they'll beat the 360, though. I don't think Microsoft can pass 84 million. They have to more than double what they've already gotten. I don't really see that happening. Um, and then this is interesting. So the Master System sold 10 to 13 million. That was Sega. And then they went to 30 million with their next consoles. That's that's good. You know, that's good numbers. Uh, the Dreamcast, though, Saturn and Dreamcast, look at these. And these were two in a row. They had two real rough systems in a row. 9 million, 9 million. Just not good. Uh, hey, the Super Nintendo Classic has sold 5 million. <laughs> that's great. The Sega Pico, that's hilarious. That's like a, that was a home system that uh, was almost meant for kids where it had like this big colored pencil and you would like draw it right on a board and it would interact with the, the screen of the TV. It was basically a, a Genesis repackaged as a children's toy. Pretty cool. Uh, the N-Gage sold 3 million. NES Classics only sold 2.3 million, but I don't know if that's updated with the new numbers now that it's back in circulation. And then some of these other ones, less than a million for Atari Lynx and the Magnavox Odyssey and ColecoVision sold less than 2 million, stuff like that. So anyway, part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this though too is this kind of talks about where we are in the industry. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, consoles are dead, you know, consoles. I mean, look at how well the PS4 is doing. I think by the end of its lifetime, 
it will break the 100 million mark. So it will push above 360. So it'll be it'll be put in like the top five, top six of all time. It might pass the Wii um, at this 101 million. Wii isn't going anywhere. Wii and PS1, it might pass those. I don't think we'll see it pass the 118 mark. Um, but, you know, realistically, it's moving about, man, it's been four and a half years. Let's just say five years generously. And then so we're moving about 15, 16 million units a year. So you get two more really strong years of growth like that. That's another 30 million that puts you at 110. So that, eh, it's possible to pass the Game Boy as well and be one of the, you know, the third top selling console of all time. It's certainly possible. Plus one thing that a lot of people don't realize is when a new console comes out and you drop the price on the old ones, that like supercharges and gives like this new burst of energy to a console sales. If the PlayStation 4 would drop tomorrow to 199 brand new, those things would be flying off the shelf. So many people would be buying new PS4s. And you'd have people obviously buying slim model uh, because they want it, maybe their system's old and junky, but it would just, it would revitalize it. When a system gets to sub 100, when it goes to 99.99 brand new, those systems fly. Uh, I was working at GameStop when it was technically software, et cetera, still when the Dreamcast dropped to 99.99 brand new. And even that cons uh, console, which was dead in the water, PS2 was just spanking its ass around. And it had no place, like nobody should have bought the Dreamcast at that point. It went to 99.99 and it flew. And we sold out. And then eventually I think the price dropped to 49.99 brand new for a while and they just just were like just man they were flying it was awesome and i was really happy for them obviously that was more sega just clearing their old stock but it uh it was still like there are certain price points that people look at and they go that's more affordable to me like 299 seems to be like like right in the middle where most people can afford a ps4 at 299 but when you see them go down to 199 brand new and and there were some black friday sales i think that had them at 199 last year I mean, they just, it was just, sales just ballooned. So, uh, but anyway, that's all I really wanted to talk about with that. I just thought it was really interesting stuff. I really, really like the, uh, look, look at the numbers. You know, this is another side of the business. You want to see how well it's doing. And I think this just proves that the gaming industry right now is super strong still. You've got three really solid competitors now. You've got the PlayStation 4 at 80 million. You had the Xbox 360, or excuse me, Xbox One at 30 million, somewhere 30, 40 million, probably somewhere in there is more accurate. And then you're looking at the Switch with 20 million. So if you don't count the Wii U, since we'll count the Switch as part of this generation, even though the Switch is a technically a new generation beyond the PS4 and Xbox ones that just came out last year, you know you put all those together, and that's putting you at about 140 million total units sold in this generation's lifetime. And if you look at the PlayStation 2 generation, it was 155, and then it was Xbox was 24, so we're looking at you know like 179, and then you look at the GameCube which was 21, so total of arguably the best selling generation is about 200 million total units sold in the PlayStation 2 era. And now you've got right now we're at about, you know, counting the 20 million from the switch that puts you at about 140, 130, 140 million total units sold in this generation. So it'll be interesting to see if it can pass that. I don't think it can necessarily, but still really cool. And, uh, and I think that just shows that we're still grinding away uh, and console gaming is here to stay. And I say that as someone who loves my PC, I game on PC all the time, but, uh, console gaming is not going anywhere. So don't snooze on it. And, uh, and that's really the only topics I had to talk about today, but as always, we're going to talk about our game of the week and let's see here. Um, you know, I really got to start picking these out before 
<laughs> before I start doing these videos. Um, let's talk about... Let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about Hyperstone Heist. So it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, excuse me, Tournament Fighters, not Hyperstone Heist. I almost got uh, twisted around. This is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. So Street Fighter had caused a massive revolution at the time. They had a ton of sales. Mortal Kombat was huge. Every company was like, how do we compete, man? Let's make a fighting game. So even Konami got in on it with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tournament fighters this game is actually pretty good though now it came out on the genesis and the super nintendo it also came out on the uh, regular nintendo and it's one of the more rare nes games out there it's harder to find it's uncommon it's also terrible like the nes version is god awful i can't recommend anyone play it with a good conscience tournament fighters for the genesis however very good game uh this one it, it plays really well see if i can get close-up shots here for you just try to get a look at some of the Oh man, the graphics, uh, let's see, zoom, there we go. It just looks super sharp, looks very good. What I love the most about this game, though, is it included characters from the uh, from the TV show that were, like, uncommon characters, as they were looking for people, like the guy in the front, that's, like, Triceradrome or something like that is his name. Um, there's, uh, but there were there were a whole bunch of cool guys, like, uh, uh, oh man, there's a guy, he's like a bug guy named Sif, Sisphius, I don't even remember that guy. There was a guy called Ray Filet. April O'Neil was a, a playable character. Um, Triceraton, that was his name. Uh, and then, of course, the Ninja Turtles themselves. So just a really good fighting game. And on Genesis and Super Nintendo, it's totally playable, totally worth playing. Um, however, on the Nintendo, it's not very good, but it's rare. So if you see it like in a garage sale for a buck, definitely buy it because it's worth a lot of money. If you don't want it, sell it to me, and I'll happily put it on the shelf and find someone to buy it. But... Uh, you know, it just it's just a really fun game. Tournament Fighters. Check it out sometime. You know, have some have some people over have a few beers and play some Turtles games. All right, everybody. Thank you as always for listening. I so appreciate it. I really do. I know I always say that, but uh, I I do really appreciate it. And this is fun. It's what keeps me kind of doing this, even when uh, you know when I'm short on time, like this week where I didn't have a ton of topics to talk about and I had to kind of keep it short. But uh, I really, I really love doing this. Uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud, feel free to like our YouTube page. We're at the drop. Uh, go to droprate.life. It'll take you to our YouTube page. Or if you go to YouTube and just search for the drop rate, you'll find us there. We're getting close to 3,000 subs. We're very, very proud of that. And uh, and then if you are listening to this on YouTube or you're seeing this on YouTube, uh, feel free to. Uh, like us and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitch at the drop rate. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at drop rate Greg. You can find me on there. And uh, I just appreciate it, guys. Thank you always for listening and hope everyone having a good day and enjoy the next uh, part of your week. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>